Well, we didn't think we'd have a show leading into a Monday night match, but strange things happen and there are stranger things that have happened in our game. So here we are previewing the Bulldogs and the Roosters match kicking off at 7pm. And of course, it is Benny's for Brain Cancer Round. Jamie Soward, Michael Chamis back on deck. It's How a good, good round. Yeah, I like the leopard. You guys are strutting that pretty nicely, actually. Yeah, I think it suits us. Uh, let's match in jacket, you know. Let's pull out <laughs> the old uh, Pooh Brown look. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty coming up on today's show. We do talk to Mark Hughes and Paul Harrigan as well. But first up, we need to talk about the biggest issue in the game. We have seen this game be postponed from last night to today. Aidan Tolman, um, of course, was at the centre of it. Just with a COVID scare, his child was at a... Um, at a childcare centre where a staff member did contract coronavirus. So he did have to go and get tested. He did come back negative. Um, all of the Bulldogs had to get tested in that 50, um, in that 50 ring bubble. bubble. And they all came back negative as well. So the game will go ahead, but he is in isolation for up to 14 days. Gents, great how flexible the game could be with this. Did they make the right call? Yeah, 100%. It was at, what, 6am, Andrew Abdo said he was up trying to make sure that things got planned and to Fox Sports and to Channel 9's credit, they made the necessary adjustments to change you know, such a big production so quickly. Uh, and we got the Dragons and Sharks on yesterday. I imagine the Sharks will be hoping that, wishing that didn't change, but we're there now. So, yeah, congrats to, to Nine and Fox for pulling it off. And Michael, big call. I mean, sorry, Jamie, big call from the players as well. They're professional athletes. They prepare to play on a Sunday and now they're playing on a Monday night. Does that hinder your preparation? Uh, I'll probably, would, yesterday would have thrown me off a little bit, the uh, six to four o'clock. But, you know, to echo Michael's words, it's amazing that we're in a stage now where we can move a game and transfer it. You know, last year or the year before, we probably wouldn't have been able to do that so quickly. So uh, as a player, you probably get the extra rest and, you know, it's probably next week or the week after that you start to feel that quick turnaround, especially if you're the Roosters. So they got a big one next week as well. And a few fans are probably asking why Aidan Tolman has to be in isolation for up to 14 days despite being uh, his test coming back negative. Michael, can you explain that to us a little bit? Yeah, look, Canterbury are trying to change the length of time. It's, it could depend on how, how much contact his son has actually had with the teacher that was... Uh, contracted coronavirus so the Bulldogs are still hoping that he may be on deck before that 14 days but as it stands right now uh, he'll be missing for the next couple of weeks. So he's in a hotel room by himself for 14 days? No, no. He's, he's got to be set home up to 14 days. Yeah. He's got to isolate. For well, he's, got, he's got to be away from the bubble until he's given clearance from the NRL to come back in. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now you've been a busy man, Sydney Morning Herald, writing an, a column today, and restrictions are looking like they will ease for players uh, after this round. Is that exciting, and what restrictions are we looking at? Well, it's exciting for the players. I haven't had so much fan, uh, player feedback on a story <laughs> in a long time. So, look, th they are going stir-crazy at home. They've been in... Since they get the competition was closed on I think, March 24. They have been locked away, basically confined to their home. And when the government eased those restrictions as we've been able to enjoy life again, they have been stuck at home under the NRL strict protocols, the biosecurity measures they have put in place. So now the NRL have spoken to a number of senior players. They are hoping to open up that, well, to relax those rules a little bit, to allow players to be able to do more than just go to training, to games and home. They may be able to go for walks to the park with their families or go to lunch at a cafe or a restaurant. So the players are, are buzzing. If that comes off next week, it looks like Monday could be the first day. Absolutely. Imagine not even being able to go to a local cafe. That's what players spend most of their time doing, drinking three or four coffees a day out with the teammates. Well, it's not just there. It's the families as well. The families yeah. of those who have been living with them have been stuck abiding by the same rules as well. So... Uh, imagine everyone in the household, the players, the officials and their families 
we'll be very happy about Monday if it comes off. All right. And the New South Wales government also did announce that crowds of up to 10,000 people will get the green tick from July 1. Um, what does that mean for our game? Because there's a few clashes coming up in round eight. Will they get moved venue-wise and, and go to home grounds? or there's, Those discussions are happening right now. The, the clubs are saying from July 1, they should be able to go play in their home venues when they open the doors to fans. We're talking about 25% of the capacity of venues that are up to 40,000. So Bank West could hold up to 7,500. Uh, you could get a, quite a few into Canberra if they're able to go back as well. So the clubs are pushing for round eight to get those to get back to their traditional venues. God, you won't even know what to do, will you? Well, it's great signs ahead of State of Origin at the end of the year and getting back to normality. You know, you'd hate to see a grand final only played in front of 7,000 people, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm over the, the fake crowd noise. I know it's good for the product, but I, I do like the... <laughs> the cardboard cutouts have been growing, though. Yeah. They should stay. They should stay. For the rooster... No, I can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will preview the Bulldogs and the Roosters match very shortly, but first we need to look at yesterday's clash. And the Red V finally got the win on the board... What does this mean for the Dragons? Actually, I, I do want to get Jamie's thoughts because I'm thinking Paul McGregor watched Inside the NRL last week. Let's take a look. He should have been playing 5'8 today, Corey Norman. I don't know if he wanted to play fullback. Ben Hunt should be 9. Every, every person I listen to is saying that Ben Hunt should be 9, Cam McInnes 13. What do you thought? <laughs> he listened. It worked. Is yeah. it I told you so? Or? Yeah, well, it's not rocket science. Um, he rang Mary McGregor today for a job. He wants an assistant coach's role. <laughs> I wouldn't have my number. Uh, look, <laughs> I just... Yeah, you have a look yesterday. It was a different Dragons team, and I think it was off the back of a, a rocket, a lot of pressure with inside those four walls in, on those players. You know, you heard Cam McInnes come out, but... Yesterday, they actually looked like they wanted to play. And Ben Hunt out of dummy half, a try and try assist. Corey Norman was in the game. And what it does is it allows a, a young guy like Adam Clune to learn the ropes of first grade without having to come in and shoulder the load of the attack and all that kind of stuff. You've got your rep players in the important positions wanting to play. Cam McInnes at 13, the way the game's going. He could start the game at 9 and then after 10 or 15 minutes bring Hunt off the bench. And I hear you now, Dragons fans. We're paying him $1.2 We don't want him to come off the bench. It's about winning. It's about winning this year and restoring some pride and faith back in the Red V jumper because you can pay someone $5 million. If that's their best position to come off the bench, they need to do that. This, this competition and jobs are, are, are lost and gained by wins and losses. So if it's best position for him to come off the bench, he comes off the bench. I, I, I think you're actually taking a back seat here. I think you're right last week. He should start at nine, to be honest with you. Mm. I think he's a top three hooker in the game. Like, we've got Josh Hodgson and Cameron Smith and Ben Hunt. He's shown at test level. He's shown at origin. He can play hooker. And I think, and this is no slight on uh, Cameron McInnes, I think he offers far more in attack than what Cameron McInnes does. And the Dragons have struggled to pull, score points for months into last season. Th things have got to change. And I think he's the right man for the job. That play right there, Cameron McInnes can't do that. He can make his 60 tackles. He can run. He's got footwork. He could be like Cam Murray through the middle of the ruck for the Dragons, but he can't kick out a dummy half. He hasn't got the vision. And yesterday, Ben Hunt was engaged for the full time that he was on. Okay. Well, both of you were so adamant that uh, Mary was going to leave the, the club. Then we see one convincing win against the Sharks. Can Dragons fans get excited yet, or is there a long way to go? No. They're two points outside the eight. Buy your grand final tickets. <laughs> we're ready to go. We're back. No, look, look, to be honest, look, the Dragons were good, but the Sharks were very, very bad. Like, yeah. there, there are some serious problems brewing at Cronulla, 
and the Dragons exposed them yesterday. But I'd like to see the Dragons over the next month and see consistent before no. we talk about anything changing at the, the club. The Dragons have got another test this week against the Warriors side that is everyone's second favourite team. This is a game they should win. That had a game... Yeah, uh, sorry, against the Titans. Titans, Titans this, this week. week yeah. uh, they, this is a game they should win. They've, they had a pretty soft draw coming out. But if you have a look at the next month after that, Roosters, Raiders, Seagulls, uh, it'll mean nothing yesterday's win if they don't come out and play even better next week. You know, guys like Matt Dufty, excellent yesterday. We need to see it for three or four weeks in a row if you're going to be an elite fullback at this level. Otherwise, the questions are going to come back out. Where's Tristan Saylor? Not even in the 21. Where's Jason Saab? He needs to be in that side. Ravlawa scores two tries, but Saab, for me, needs an opportunity. You touched on Tristan Saylor. Has Matt Dufty done enough? Is there, or do you expect that from Matt Dufty to, to play a good game every now and then? Um, yeah, at the moment, he's probably every now and then. He's, he's fast, he's opportunistic, but have we seen it long enough over a period of time to say that he's the definite number one at the Dragons? No, which is why they started with Zach Lomax at fullback, then they went to Corey Norman, then they went back to Matt Dufty to spark it. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm still baffled at some of the selections you know, and how they got to that point, but he was good yesterday, so you give him another chance. The selection changes have changed every week because they haven't got the result. They got the win. Do you expect them to keep that same 17? Yes. Would you make any other changes? I would bring Jason Saab in for Michaela Ravalawa. And what about Tristan Saylor? You, you uh, Dufty did enough. Dufty was great yesterday. Okay. But the, the challenge for Matt Dufty is to do it again this week. And then against the Titans, they should win. But then they've got three of the top four teams in the competition. Okay. All right, let's talk about the opposition. The Sharks, you mentioned, Michael, that they were pretty woeful. What problems are going on in that club? And where do they start for John Morris to fix it? I don't know if the senior playing group have got enough ownership over, what's, over their performances and what's going on at the club. That's an ageing roster. It's a good enough roster. We've got, you know, Sean Johnson, Aaron Woods, Andrew Fafida, Wade Graham. It's a star-studded team. And they are... I don't know if the club, if the players there care enough for what's going on at the club. I feel sorry for John Morrison in this point because he's got a team there that should be challenging for the eight. They're good enough. Matt, the other one I'm mentioning is Matt Moylan. Like, he has come over to the club on mega dollars and he hasn't played football for 18 months. Well, we haven't seen Matt Moylan. We haven't seen the best of Matt Moylan since he was at Penrith. So there's a lot of money tied up on players who aren't delivering. Andrew Fafita, his body seems to be uh, hampering him. He hasn't been at his best for 12 months. So these guys that are taking up such a big chunk of the salary cap are nowhere near what they used to be. So I, I feel sorry for John Morris because he cannot get the best out of players that you know, once upon a time were better footballers. That was a different side yesterday, the Sharks, to the one that ground out a win against North Queensland where they had to fly up to Townsville on game day and play and their season was on the line. Yesterday there was no urgency about the situation. Look, the, the senior players probably didn't have their best afternoon yesterday and one player that would be hurting is Wade Graham. He's the sort of temperature you know, on, on what's going on at the club. So I think that they've probably lost a little bit of toughness, the Sharks, of what they used to be with Gallon. Luke Lewis, you know, that uncompromising, get in your face, ground out a win. Maybe they're trying a, a different style now with people that have come in, but yeah, it wasn't one of their finest afternoons. You mentioned a few of the plays you think have lost a bit of the aggression, but what about the halves pairing in Chad Townsend and, and Sean Johnson? Are we seeing enough? There's been a lot of talk around Sean Johnson and he's underperforming. Is, are they right? Are, are critics right to say that he is? Or um, I think Chad's a mainstay. His season last year, I think he was a player of the you know, their team last year. He was outstanding. That was his best season. So he has to be the seven. Uh, Moyser looked good last week and he's been injured. The thing with Sean Johnson is 
it's not everyone's the same as what they were in 2014 or, or 2012. You know, like Sean Johnson stepping and taking the line on. He's tried to work in a few new things to his game. Last week, I thought he was pretty good. You know, in a win that they needed to have, he controlled the game where he could. Yesterday, every critic wants a halfback to run the ball or a five-eight to run the ball. Sometimes when your forward's getting dominated, that opportunity doesn't present itself. But you'd like to see him more engaging and more on the ball. But he, he was injured last year too. These star players that you spoke about have had long-term injuries that maybe they just haven't gotten right. I don't think dropping Sean Johnson is the answer because when the Sharks do score points, it comes off Sean Johnson. So... Yes, they want to see more consistency. I, I, I don't know if, and you're the ex-footballer, you'd know this a lot more, but would Sean Johnson benefit from saying, hey, mate, in attack, you're our fullback? It obviously couldn't defend there and couldn't, wouldn't be safe under the high ball, but could you say, Matt Moylan, in attack, you, you're, you're in the six with Chad Townsend, Sean, you just run free, and that way you get the attacking football, you get him running the ball, he has no choice. I think you sit Sean down if that's an option and ask him, but... Yeah, Matt Moylan's got to be on the field as well. Yeah, they they missed him yesterday. He was outstanding for a first game back in so long. So uh, Moyes, you know, he I think he'd be good in the six. Whether Sean can do the job at fullback in attack, you'd have to wait and see. But it has to be a smooth transition. There has to be one voice there controlling it. So if you let Chad Townsend control it and those guys buy in, it could work. And sometimes critics are pretty harsh too. Like I know Sean Johnson, I think he even did say it to you, Michael, when you are at NRL.com, that he, he's not that man from 2014 anymore. He's progressed his game. He's changed his game. It depends on who you work around and who you're playing with. So, Yeah, and, and look, to be fair, I think the Cronulla's recruitment as well, Katie, like they buy Sean Johnson when they had Kyle Flanagan in the system. They got Chad Towns in there. They bought three fullback. They had Dugan. You have Moylan. Like, it has Moylan play six. It just... They spent so much money on guys who play similar positions and it's just wasted. It's, mm. It honestly is because Moylan was brought to the club to play 5-8. Then you have Chad Towns in there. You, you obviously got Kyle Flanagan coming through. I just don't know if they had the foresight to, to spend money where the money was needed. Yeah, the other topic we do need to talk about is their head coach, John Morris. He had this to say after their loss. It came from left field after our win last week against the Cowboys. You know, we were singing the, the, the team song up in the sheds and... I was reporting on Fox and my job was under pressure, so that was um, just, just totally blindsided me. But, you know, one thing is, um, you know, I've got a really good um, bond with the playing group and all our staff, um, and we're working real hard. You know, we've got some um, unprecedented challenges around our club at the moment, and um, we're all working as hard as we can to get through that. You know, we had to release Matt Pryor um, before the season even started to help with our salary cap. We had to let Josh Morris go. Um, you know, as I said, we've had some challenges there and, you know, I think the more that the club can all support me as we get through these challenging times, the better we'll be in the long run. So the rumours started now that John Morris's job's under pressure and he found out after singing the team song in their win against the Cowboys. Uh, Michael, is there any truth to this? Oh, look, he's under pressure because they're not performing and the, the same way Paul McGregor's under pressure, the same way Dean Pay's under pressure. John Morris has got a, probably the, uh, the best of those rosters with the players there, regardless of the age. Now, he's a, he's a young coach. He's learning on the run. And perhaps, perhaps there is you know, some op opportunities for the club to look elsewhere. But I don't think his players are doing him any favours, to be honest with you. And if they do look elsewhere, uh, the new coach that comes in will be turning around and saying, hang on a second, have a look in the mirror, because you should be performing better than you have been. Yeah, look... I think there's five or six coaches every week that there's a loss there. I mean, Paul Green's in, in that category as well. With that, You talk about the talented roster. Well, Paul Green's roster's just as, as good as the Sharks' roster. So um, I found Paul Gallon's comments interesting about them needing an experienced coach. 
uh, an older coach to come in and maybe challenge those guys that have won a premiership because after you win a premiership, sometimes you're looking for that next mountain to climb and you know there's guys there that are on lots of money that probably haven't performed up to That's their... Right up to their billing, and they're just going through a tough patch at the moment. So be interested to see if they can get out of it. But is that what's difficult about being a coach in the NRL? And, and none of us have been a coach in the NRL, so it's probably hard to understand. But every week there is a new coach under fire. Last week we were talking about Mary's head on the chopping block. This week we're talking about John Morris. Next week, I mean, we'll be talking about... Well, we won't be talking about Justin Hobble. Craig Bellamy. He's gone. Craig, yeah. Write him off. One more loss. and the, Last week you were talking about the storm falling out of finals. Like, is it unfair pressure for these coaches? I mean, sometimes it no. just takes a bit longer for these players to click. Look, or... no, because there's only 16 jobs in the NRL. Yep. And if you want, if you, you know the path that you have to take, and a lot of those coaches did long apprenticeships. You know, this Cameron Serraldo's been an assistant coach since he retired. That they wait a long time for their opportunity, and sometimes the opportunity isn't going to present itself to be the best roster or the best situation. But you die for that opportunity to be a head coach. They understand what they're going in for, and yeah, you, know, you say that it'd be John Morris this week. Paul McGregor's head's still not on, off the chopping block. John Morris is there, Paul Green. Justin Holbrook you know, has a, inherited a roster that's not good enough at the moment. His head's immediately on the chopping block, even though it shouldn't be. So Dean Pay's only had one win. If they lose tonight... Anthony Seabold. Anthony Seabold. Like, yeah. There's six coaches every week that you could justify that, aren't, that haven't got their squad performing up to what they should be. We're all praising uh, Canberra at the moment and Ricky Stewart and what he's been able to do with that roster. We forget this is Ricky Stewart's seventh year at the yeah. Rose. He... he Last year was their game. first genuine success at the club, making that grand final. And I spoke to him before his 400th game last week, and he said that the club has shown the way going forward. To rebuild a football team, it doesn't happen overnight. And some clubs haven't got the patience to do so, but Canberra, it's taken them six years to get where they have. One, team, one club that hasn't had the patience is the Titans. Mm. Yeah, there's some players there that you know, Justin Holbrook would probably not have bought if he had a blank roster or a blank canvas, but... You know, Rebecca Frizzell, they need to stick it out. They need to know that they got him there for a reason. They brought him back from England for a reason. It takes time, seven years, to get to one grand final. Yeah, not everyone's Wayne Bennett or Craig Bellamy where you have three of the greatest generational players. Like, it yeah. takes time. Yeah. The, other, the other things here, and it might, it might have sounded hypocritical earlier that I was sticking up for John Morris and not so Paul McGregor last week. The difference between the two, though, is... Paul McGregor is into his seventh season at the club. He has been there for a long time. He has had the chance to build his roster, and this is where they are. So to me, there is no excuse with the Dragons, whereas someone like John Morris, unfortunately, has inherited that ageing roster, and he should be given the chance to rebuild it. So that's, that's, my, that's why I might sound like a hypocrite on that, but I stand by that, that Paul McGregor has had his chance. So. <laughs> I don't think you hypocrite. It's all right. We'll, yeah, we'll, keep, you, we'll keep you on for another week. <laughs> uh, now let's go to Sweet or Sour. Jamie, what have you got? <laughs> <laughs> that you was the worst. I've rattled him. <laughs> I did rattle you. Uh, yeah, sweet or sour this week? Sweet. I think uh, seeing the fans back on the weekend was absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, just to be able to have people back in the stadiums. Yeah, people live and breathe rugby league. And to be able to go back there, the selective few that were able to make it out, uh, a couple of people made the trip out <laughs> to Campbelltown just to stand up there on milk crates. But seeing people back and the passion back in the game is something that I actually love, but I actually have a soured as well this week. Oh, double whammy this week, all right. Yeah, because I was uh, going out to Bank West yesterday to see this game, Roosters Bulldogs, in a corporate suite, uh, thanks to SodaStream, by the way. But uh, 
<laughs> I was filthy because I had my, my best kit on, ready to go, and the message comes through from the group that the game was going to be on. So, a little bit filthy about that. So, so, can't go so you chose us over them tonight. I chose you guys. <laughs> yes. over there. I can't believe it. I can't believe <laughs> Very it. proud of you. I'd like to see where we are in the friendship circle. The Bulldogs and the Roosters preview coming up very shortly. But now it is time to preview the Beanie for Brain Cancer round. And to join us with that is Mark Hughes and the Chief Paul Harrigan. Thanks for your time, gents. Pleasure Great to be, to be here. here. Great to be here. <laughs> now, it's been here for brain cancer and it's been going since 2014. You've raised up to $18 million already with everything that's been going on with coronavirus. Mark and Paul, I'm, I'm sure you're both relieved that it's just going ahead this year. Yeah, well, you know, we ordered our beanies. We do that in November, December, and we're living in a, a different world from when we ordered our beanies. And I guess the option was there to maybe cancel it, but, you know, the thoughts are that, unfortunately, with brain cancer, it doesn't stop. Uh, people are getting diagnosed today, tomorrow. There'll be people that won't make it through the week. So and our small little team at the foundation said, we've got to keep powering. We've got to keep the momentum going. Um, we've just got to do our best, give it our best shot. We fully understand that not everyone's in a position to buy a beanie this year. They've all, we've all got different circumstances, but... You know, judging by the way this uh, rugby league community get behind us, and um, thankfully the amazing team at the NRL decided to, to give us the opportunity. We, um, we're running. Well, I tell you what, it shows the relationship uh, between the NRL and Mark Hughes Foundation. Because the NRL, as we know, got so much on their plate at the moment, and for those guys to still want to go ahead with this, I think it's just incredible. And uh, a fair bit of plate should go towards the NRL to fight something. Mark, I imagine this has been an, obviously an emotional journey for you, seeing the success of the foundation and the way the rugby league community has rallied behind it all. For you, mate, what's been the moment where this has hit home, the magnitude of what you've been able to achieve in terms of what you've been able to help people do over the years? I tell you, I think the first time the NRL did the round, Chief and I went to Sydney and I uh, weren't sure what we were going to expect. But it was, you know, it might have been the Wednesday and Thursday before the round. And... Uh, we just got bombarded, you know. Chief was doing interview after interview. I was doing them. I was in the front seat. He was in the back seat. It was just crazy. Um, Today's show, they'd be, they'd be wearing the beanies. Um, you'd see out in the streets people wearing the beanies. And I just sort of felt like, you know, this has come a long way from sort of, you know, my hospital bed uh, thought that now this is the real deal. And, um, and I know Chief will back it up. It was just, it was just madness. Yeah, we'll add a little bit. I remember one time, because a lot of us, we train every morning in Newcastle, one of the old boys, and I just remember one time, uh, Hughesy saw uh, you know, someone wearing the beanie in the early days, and it just blew you in the water, really sunk into this thing's going to work, so yeah, it's been great. Paul, you and Billy Peden have been instrumental in organising treks. You've been on four of them. Talk to us about those moments, and was there one that sticks out in your mind? Yeah, no, the tracks were designed just to help raise money for the foundation. At the start, we thought we'd just raise 20 or 25 grand, and um, all of a sudden we raised, I think, about 150 or something ridiculous that first year. And I think since then, it's been like 1.8 Yeah, 1.8 Yeah, it's been great. But we've had some tough ones. Um, the Everest Base Camp took about four blokes down. We had four in hospital. Um, um, we had Matty Johns in that one as well, and he, he done a bit tough job. He was spitting blood. But Borneo was um, a really good one where we went from, from coast to coast, including the Scenic and Death March. We wanted to make sure we followed those tracks of all those soldiers, particularly Australian soldiers. But uh, 
Yeah, the, the heat there was unbearable, and um, water bikes went down, including me. Uh, one particular day, huh? It was really, really, really the toughest hot. day we've ever had. Yeah, but it's been great, and we're a little disappointed this year uh, because you know because of the COVID. Um, it looks like being you know we're going overseas and do a trip, but uh, it'll be bigger and better next year. And yeah, everyone loves it. It's been great. It's been amazing. I've just got to say that uh, great mate and former teammate Adam McDougall at the Manshade every year. He puts in $100,000 towards our trek. And, and me and Chief say, you've you got to come with us. You've got to come with us and do it. And he, he thinks that giving the 100000 is much easier. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm going to like throw us under the bus and maybe it's something that the three of us need to look into as well. So make sure you hold us accountable. Pre-season trip. <laughs> am I, am I just I'm, I'm happy to do it maybe for the three of us if you don't want to do it. <laughs> but if you keep it in Australia this year, maybe we can join in later in the year. Um, now you talk about all the support and you, you sort of can't believe that it continues uh, year in, year out. And just a few of the stats that I was looking at on the Mark Hughes Foundation website, I mean, it's the biggest killer of a disease in our country for children children and 1200 people die from it each year mark what still needs to happen for i guess our country and the government to get the message it needs more and more money yeah uh look things haven't really changed for 30 years um there's no cure for brain cancer pretty plain and simple uh so we've got to change that and um you know we're raising funds we've got uh, lots of research happening um and all we can do is continue to do that, continue this research, and we've got to find the answers so that it stops tearing apart families. Like, it's the biggest cancer killer for people 40 years and under, so it's it's tearing apart families right when they should be starting their families and, and enjoying their families and people, tearing people apart. So I'm really proud that we've now announced the uh, NRL Beanie for Brain Cancer Fellowship. Um, now, this is uh, going to be done at the Children's Medical Research Institute in Sydney. And um, this researcher is named Julius Kim. Now, our research, our scientific committee, they have got all sorts of entries, and he was the best one uh, for us. Uh, we're very proud that the NRL Beanie for Brain Cancer Fellowship is underway. So that's that's another set of eyeballs on brain cancer every day. We've got people right around Australia all staring at brain cancer. So we're really confident that out of this, we're going to find the answers We've got better outcomes for people like myself and so many others out there now that, that need our help. Well, Mark, obviously, uh, obviously you and Paul have played for the Knights over many years. I'd like to get your thoughts before we let you guys go in regards to the Knights this year under Adam O'Brien and how much they've changed. And also, Caelan Ponga, oh, you had the privilege of playing with Andrew Johns and Danny Badiris. Where does this kid match up in terms of his status in the Knights and what he could do going forward? Yeah, uh, young Kalen is a super young kid and unlimited abilities and he started really well this season. Um, I've got to give Adam O'Brien a big rap as coach. He's really bringing them, galvanising the team together. Um, Chief could talk maybe a bit forward. We seem like we're a real team, tough unit, uh, that just don't give in and that's a bit like the Knights were back when Chief started back in 88. <laughs> yeah, yeah likes likes the smell of what's going on at the moment. Um, Adam seems like a real details guy, pulls everything apart to a new level. And, I, and obviously come on the back of 10 or 11 years at Storm, um, you know, that uh, that way of looking at the game and that view is, is really welcome here in Newcastle. So I mean, he's a really respectful guy. He's really bought into the culture of the Newcastle way. 
So as far as we're all concerned, all the old boys, we're, we're really happy at the moment. And, uh, you know, they're just competing. I mean, the last couple of games where one in particular we were out of the game, but we hung in there and come back. That's that's that stuff that we really love here in Newcastle. So I think we're pretty happy. It certainly yeah. shows that attitude. Thanks so much for joining us, gents. And uh, you rock the black beanies. We're all rocking the leopard today. I'm sure the, the Knights boys will be rocking their beanies for the game again on Thursday against the Broncos. And uh, for anybody wondering, you can buy your beanie at MarkHughesFoundation.com or the supporting Lowe's and IGA stores. Paul and Mark, thank you so much. <laughs> Pleasure. Thanks for the support, awesome. everyone. Thank you. I promise that was both of them, but uh, I don't think the Wi-Fi is that great in Newcastle. Oh, 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 low blow. They have a cash in. They will hate you. A little blurry. They love me. They love me. I help them raise money. All right. There's a bit of Thompson trade news. Joel Thompson looks set to join uh, Super League. What do you both know on that? St Helens, allegedly. Yeah, look, great pickup for St Helens. Uh, they get a hard-working back row. The thing I love about Joel Thompson is he's always played the game right on the edge, you know, uncompromising, physical, but... It's his work in mental health. I think he's going to have a greater impact when he retires in the mental health space. So uh, very happy that he's taking his young family over there. He'll experience England. He'll probably come back because it'll be too cold. But he was in Canberra, so he's well equipped for it. <laughs> he, he replaces another Thompson. Luke Thompson left St. Helens to join the Bulldogs. So it's a Thompson-a-thon with another one. Yeah. Katie, you've got some more news? I think, uh, there's more and more Thompson. But if you want all the details on that, go to nrl.com. Dan Walsh writing that one and keeping track of all the movements there. Corey Thompson is the other Thompson. He has joined um, effective immediately to the Gold Coast Titans. What do you think he'll add? Are you happy or, or not happy with that move? Uh, interesting buy. I think that they needed okay. a fullback with no AJ Brimson this year, but uh, they've got a lot of, yeah, a lot of uh, hard work ahead of them in the Gold Coast Titans, especially after the weekend. I thought they were really disappointing. His little fan favourite, Corey Thompson, at the Tigers, and the players all love playing with him. He'll add some energy to that team. I think this, he's the sort of guy Justin Holbrook will in there. He'll know what he'll get from him. So uh, it's a little stopgap solution for the Titans for him uh, to play fullback until Brimson's back. So why, why are you not 100% sold on that buy? What do you think they're looking for? Are you um, well, I, I think it'll be a great buy because he can go to fullback, which allows Sammy to go back to the wing. But there's just, you know, that squad was completely different to the one that turned up to play the Tigers. Like, yeah. there's bigger issues than signing a couple of players. They've, they need to have a consistent standard level of play that they need to get to, and they didn't meet it on the weekend. Okay, well, gents, it's almost time to announce the team list that are dropping in, I think, about 30 seconds. And you two are going to go to the touch screen when I talk about the team list for the Roosters and the Bulldogs coming out very shortly. I will get your tips real quickly. Who have you got? I mean, is it the obvious, the Roosters? I'm probably up tip the Roosters. It is the obvious, but you never know. Look, the thing about the Bulldogs is they are gritty and it, I think if it was a fast track and the Roosters are flying it could be you know 30 40 points but maybe this year the Bulldogs after last week bit of steel in their defense I think it might be a little bit more gritty I think it's you know maybe 10 12 points uh, 20 plus <laughs> look Canterbury's defense he's not playing it so the Roosters come on with all that, was James Tedesco back as well? No, we're no, at Hargraves. Yeah, I know. well, look, Lindsay Collins is a good replacement. You're talking about so. the ins and outs, and I haven't even read out the team list, gents. Come well, I'm on. just hearing, hearing <laughs> along the way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's go to that. Let's read out the team list for the Bulldogs Roosters Clash. Kicking off at 7 o'clock for the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Will Hopawati at fullback, Mick Meaney there on the wing, as well as Christian Crichton in the centres, Dallin Watini Zalesniak and Jake Avarillo. Kieran Foran back for his second game. Um, 
um, after his 200th last week, having that big time off from the shoulder, partnering Luke Lewis. Uh, then we've also got Dean Britt coming onto the bench in replacement of Aidan Tolman after, of course, the cautionary, even though he did test negative to coronavirus, he will be in um, isolation for up to 14 days. Now we'll go to the Sydney Roosters and how they line up from 1 to 17. James Tedesco back at fullback. There we see. And Satili Tupanua on the bench. Mitch Orbison named on the bench after missing a couple of weeks. Victor Radley's elbow looked not to be as bad as first thought. He's back in the mix. And Boyd Cordner there named at skipper. But Lindsay Collins coming on to the starting side uh, in replacement for, of course, Jared Warrior Hargreaves, who is out with back pain. Now, we're going to our best bit. The boys are using the touchscreen. What have you got for us, Jamie? Yeah, there, thanks, Katie. You just wanted to have a look at the two contrasting styles of the 5'8s tonight. Luke Keary, obviously one of the best players in the world, but Kieran Foran, back from injury. Both sides really need their playmakers on tonight. Yeah, and you touched on Kieran Foran. He's only two games back from that shoulder injury, and the Roosters, no doubt, will pepper that Bulldogs' right edge. Yeah, they will. And it's the way that Luke Keary gets the ball here. You can see that he's starting so tight to the ruck. He's got the four-on-four matchup, so he's trying to isolate the three Rabbitohs defenders here. But it's Ethan Lowe that he's working on. So as play unfolds, you can see he's so tight to the ruck, but it's his speed and vision that gets him over the advantage line to be able to pick Boyd Cordner up, a one-on-one -on -one tackle against Adam Reynolds. That will be the line they're trying to get on Kieran Foran tonight. Well, let's, let's take us back to last year's grand final, Sowie. The Roosters, Luke Keery, he's renowned for his eyes-up football. And in the dying moments of the game, when the Roosters need something from their star playmaker, he comes up with the goods. Again, he isolates one-on-one -on -one tackle against BJ Leilua, but it's a different style this time. He's out the back, gets it off Warrior Hargreaves, and right here, it's a quick play the ball, but if you just see Luke Keery, all his space is looking to the middle here. Tired defenders from the Raiders. So these three guys here, they clock off for half a second, and it's a great play and pass by Latrell. Mitchell, but you can put it down to Luke Keary. This is why the new rules suit him. He's over the advantage line, and I don't think there's anyone better in the competition that plays short sides than Luke Keary. Well, contrasting styles between the two number sixes. Kieran Foran started his career as a runner of the football, renowned for that attacking potency, but over the years, he's changed his game a little bit. Yeah, it's what makes him so great. To see him injury-free and have him come back, Great experience for the Bulldogs' halves, but everyone else around him seems to fall in line. And you can see here, he's already his threat by being in and around the ruck has get five dragons in defensively, and that organisation helps the outside guys. What's the advantage here, Sal? We haven't played in, in the halves before. What's the advantage of Kieran Ford sitting behind the ruck? Well, he, again, he locks those five guys in, but it gives a shape out here. He knows he's coming out to this left-hand side. He's trying to attack these four defenders and get them to make a decision. But it's his subtly the way that he goes there to be able to just get out the back. You watch that late movement. And right there, McInnes is still looking in. Sims is looking in. Hunt's looking in. There's no uh, eyes up to see what runners are coming at them. And it's just like shelling peas here for the Bulldogs. Nice and easy. That's what Kieran Foran does. Straightens up their attack. Gets everyone in the right position. So something to keep an eye on tonight. The two number sixes doing battle, both against each other on the same edge. Well, see how he, he's, uh, he's picked Ben Hunt to play hooker and he's shown his assistant coaching ability, <laughs> Katie. He's all over it. He is over it. I love the use of the touchscreen too. It adds a different perspective. If there is a weakness, though, I want to ask you quickly, um, in the Roosters' side, where are you going to attack? 
I think I think last year, no, if you have a look at Canberra and Manly last year, they had success around second phase and offloads and that structured, unstructured attack where they have to get to a point, but they just push up on the ball. So guys like DCE, Tom Trebojevic, they just play on the ball rather than block for a block, which is what the Roosters eat up. So I'd uh, be looking to try and get second phase, try and get people in different positions to try and get the Roosters, but they are so good defensively. Yeah, appreciate both your insights, gents. Good work. <laughs> I want this one back next week. We'll talk to our producer, Chad, hey? All right, it is now time for the casualty ward thanks to go healthy vitamins the cowboys travel to campbelltown without two of their stars this week valentine holmes ruled out with an ankle sprain and jordan mclean also sidelined with a calf strain katoni staggs won't be back for the broncos for at least four weeks the outside back suffered a grade two hamstring injury the good news no tenant involvement in that injury the Seagulls are hopeful Marty Tapau will overcome a dislocated thumb to face the Raiders, but they could be without Moses Suley for three weeks after he underwent surgery on a fractured finger. And Cronulla is hopeful Matt Moylan will overcome hamstring tightness to play on Sunday. In other news, Jesse Arthurs is out for at least a month, while Panthers confirmed Kurt Catewell is out for 10 weeks with a grade three medial ligament injury. That's this week Casualty Ward. Thanks to Go Healthy Vitamins, it's now time for Hit or Miss. All right, first one. Queensland teams will not play finals. Hit or miss? I'm going to you, Jamie. No. I'm going to you. You're cringy. Um, miss. I think as bad as the Broncos have been, I've still got a little bit of faith that once they get Fafida, Tavita Pangai Jr. back, uh, there's there's an issue around Brodie Croft. I think that when he went up there pre-COVID, the rules, they needed a structured 5-8 to be able to get Milford the right amount of ball, but they just haven't adapted and... Yeah, to let that game go last week, that's on the back of the halfback, not game managing correctly. So I'm holding out hope for the Broncos, but the other two teams, no. Michael? Unless Peter Volandis is bringing the Brisbane Brom- Bombers into the comp now, <laughs> it's hit for me. I can't see any the of the hit, three Queensland teams. Yeah, hit. They'll miss it. They'll all miss the eight. Sorry. They'll all miss the eight. I, I picked, to be honest with you, I without... <laughs> At the start of the year, I looked at the, the, the Brisbane roster. I didn't think they were going to play finals football. I left the Broncos and the Cowboys out of my eight, and I have seen no reason why I should change my thoughts on that. The, the Broncos may get a little bit of a lift when the, if the crowds come back mm. because they love playing at Suncorp. You know, that maybe there's some young guys there not as mature enough to, to fly in and get on a bus to the Central Coast and, and turn up you know, for a full 80 minutes. But I think that they can still get the, into the eight. It won't be in the top six. It might be seven or eighth. Okay. Monday night football should be a permanent fixture, hit or miss? Miss for me. I, I, I like my, my Sunday afternoon football. I'd rather see three games on Saturday. And I just, yeah, I don't like the Sunday 6.30. If you're, if you're giving me the option between the Sunday 6.30 and the Monday night, I'll take the Monday night. But I think, I think the game's got a, a pretty good balance at the moment. Okay. I want it on every day of the week. Live game every day of the week. <laughs> I would like it. To Can't get enough five, footy. Yeah, five yeah. nights. Nah, uh, I, I think Monday night can work. It's a uh, you know, ratings bonanza for the NFL over there. It's their their highlight game of the weekend. But um, maybe possibly three games on a Sunday. Yeah, really own that full weekend, two, four, and uh, six o'clock on a Sunday. But yeah, Monday nights. I think it's hard. A lot of wives out there would be wanting to get their husbands or partners <laughs> back after watching eight games, including mine. Plus, inside <laughs> the NRL, might not survive if it's oh, Monday. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, no, definitely. It's gone. It's gone. Definitely. I thought it would help for Monday artists, you know, like help people start their week. That's what right. we're That's here what... for. Thank you. I knew you were here for a reason. <laughs> Cameron Smith is number one. Still, I probably didn't read that out right, but Cameron Smith is still number one. Best hooker in the game, hit or miss. Oh, 
best player in the game. Yeah, arguably, um, in terms of how, he, again, Melbourne Storm, the way that they've changed their game against the Raiders, it was a wait-and-see approach, I think, how they how they handled uh, the rules and stuff, but they've come out of the gates, and Tedesco's probably number one. Cam Smith, you know, 1A, 1B, is pretty much the same. I don't, who's questioning that he's not? Well, before, when the, the rules changed, people thought that it would be more Hodgson. appropriate for Hodgson to be number one. And that, but the, the miraculous thing is Cameron Smith just changes his game. You saw him on the weekend. It's incredible. 37 yeah. this a, week. He's the smartest footballer that I've seen and by far the smartest footballer in the competition mm. at the moment. For me, it's a hit. He's still the best hooker in the game. For the first time, I'm going to say I don't think he's the best player in the game. By far the best hooker in the game. And, and that'll, I don't think that'll change till the day he retires. But in terms of the best player in the game, I think people have passed him. His greatness is the way that he's been able to develop guys. You look at Pappenhausen on the weekend, mm. outstanding. They're, they're playing without a halfback at the moment. And, and I mean, no disrespect to Riley Jacks or Jerome Hughes. Those guys are filling guys that haven't grown up playing halfback and learnt the ropes along the way. But they're pl- he's playing nine and seven at some stage. You, you made a good point. Will, will he be a good coach one day? Do you think he'll... Oh. We talk about the Sharks and the Dragons. Maybe Cameron <laughs> Smith will retire and go straight down there and coach. I'll tell you what, try and get him for one year next year because uh, I think Melbourne would be wanting Harry Grant back yeah. uh, for the next 10 years here in Munster. But captain coach at the Dragons... Dangerous. Very dangerous. Mm. OK, last but not least, Josh Reynolds should keep his spot in the starting side this week, hit or miss. Michael, I'll go to you. Yeah, I say hit. Uh, Josh was was pretty good for the Tigers. Brought the energy that Michael Maguire had been had been looking for. Oh, I was quite critical of the decision to drop Benji, and I still think it was the wrong decision. I think the person who needs to come under a little bit of pressure, who has escaped it, is Luke Brooks. To be honest with you, I, Luke Brooks two years ago was went within an isker of, a whisker of winning the Dally M Medal, and since Ivan Cleary has left that club, he has gone backwards. I feel Luke Brooks. I don't know if the the tough love uh, approach. That, I've, that, that Madge has there. He, he obviously works them really hard. I think he thrived under a coach like Ivan who gave him a cuddle and, and, and played to his strengths. Now, you, you would know, Jamie, you obviously played under Wayne Bennett and he gave you that cuddle that you needed. I, I think Luke Brooks needs a coach that builds a game plan around Luke Brooks where I think Madge has his style and his way and I don't think it's suiting Luke Brooks at the moment. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Luke Brooks is under a lot of pressure to maintain his spot. If uh, Reynolds will be the 5'8", I think Benji might even be the halfback. Uh, If you have a look at that game on the weekend was there to be won, and unfortunately for Tigers fans, Reynolds did everything he was promised to do and that you knew he was going to bring with energy, enthusiasm, kick chase, all the stuff that Reynolds was good at, he did on the weekend. They were screaming out for a halfback to help take control on that second half, last play options, steer them home and attack and, and run the footy. And I think... Luke Brooks' best footy is played with Benji Marshall at six because Benji can take all the big plays. Benji doesn't... He'll be one of the greatest players to ever play that will come up with a big play. On the weekend, they didn't know who was going to come up with the big play and that was up to Luke Brooks. He didn't do that. Can Benji and Josh Reynolds work as a halves combination? Uh, I think this... Yeah. Yeah? I think if you said to Benji, we're going to play you at halfback, his kicking game would have been... Probably nearly gets him over the line on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but I agree Benji with Brooks. I think there's room maybe for all three of them, but I, I don't think you'd bring Brooks off the bench. You'd have to no. bring Reynolds off the bench and play him at nine, but then you lose all that enthusiasm that he brings in that number six role. So mm. uh, the, the challenge for Josh will be excellent, excellent this week, and a lot of those Tigers guys, they were excellent for 50 minutes. 
But for 30 minutes, they weren't great, and they let the game slip away. They should have won that game on the weekend. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that Benji didn't play for the starting side last week. I wonder if Madge has changed his mind after their loss again on the weekend and he gets I, named this week. I don't think that'll happen. I think Madge will stick with Josh Reynolds and Luke Brooks. I think Benji... They've got one out. week, though. Yeah, well, this, they play the Cowboys this week. Mm. They, they should, they should go close, if not win that game, judging off their performance last week. But yeah, I, They I think should win. Is, is that Campbelltown? Uh, not too sure if it's... I think yeah, it's Campbelltown. Camp- they should yes. win that game. If they don't win that game and there's no changes, Benji will be in with Reynolds. Yeah, OK. That's hit or miss for today. Uh, don't forget, in less than an hour, kick-off for the Bulldogs-Roosters match with our broadcast partners, Channel 9 and Fox Sports, KO Sports and the Telstra Live Pass. But let's go to Jamie Soward's power rankings. Jamie? <laughs> This week's power ranking saw the Melbourne Storm creep back into the top four off the back of the form of Cameron Munster. And I haven't seen a player adapt to the new rules quicker than Cameron Munster. Melbourne Storm continue to get it done. They were supposed to fall apart when, Bill, when Billy Slater retired, Cooper Cronk left. They keep getting better, the Storm. It's unbelievable what Craig Bellamy's done. Yeah, I just love the way that he's playing what's in front of him and being able to play over the advantage line. His kicking game's gotten better. His game management gets better. And without a, a recognised halfback from week to week, which has been their problem at the Melbourne Storm, Cameron Munster stepping up and owning the team is the next step and worrying signs for, for all the teams and all the people waiting for the Melbourne Storm to fall over because he looks like he's taking the next step. Another team that's struggling and falling down in the power rankings are the North Queensland Cowboys. They've got a host of injuries, but it's their game plan and their game style, how they attack. It hasn't changed since they've won the Premiership and they're under a lot of pressure. They're under a lot of pressure and that roster is a star-studded roster. They've bought well in the off-season, Valentine Holmes, Esau Masters, and they've got a pack, the envy of most... So the answers for Paul Green need to come and come soon. Yeah, some of their development players, Clifford, Drinkwater's going to take time, but they just seem to have plateaued and not been able to take it to the next level, and that comes back to coaching. So a lot of pressure on the North Queensland Cowboys. The St George Illawarra Dragons got off the bottom of the power rankings, a host of changes, but I just had a look at their draw the next couple of weeks. They've got some winnable games, and that could prove crucial. You know, in a shortened competition, they get themselves back into the competition. Confidence can do wonders for a team, so it'll be interesting to see how the Dragons bounce back with that easy roster. That's this week's Power Rankings. Well, I know we've still got one more game to go in round five, but we're going to skip the queue a few days and we're going to talk about round six of Rugby League. There are four incredible matchups coming up in round oh, six, aren't there, oh, gents? Oh. <laughs> this is arguably the best round, except for when it returned from coronavirus and the break. No, it was great this is to have the best Woody. round. But it was so good to have Woody back. We're all excited. Round six, who is your head-to-head matchup favourite game of the round? Oh, no doubt. Roosters v Parramatta on, on Saturday night. You know, the back-to-back champions taking on, you know, the, the new front runners, the unbeaten side in Parramatta. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back and how they work on their attack. I loved Parramatta's patience last week, Chemis. They were in a game where things weren't working for them. They looked frustrated in that first half, but they stuck to their plan in the second half and they scored some soft tries, but it was off the back of still building pressure and being patient. And if my research... Uh, is correct. This will be the first time, if the Eels win, the first time they've gone 6-0 in the club's history. I hate those stats. You love those stats. Why? Why do you hate that stat? Do you think Brad Arthur's going, oh, it's the first time 6-0, that means we're going to win it? No, but I think you right. be going, you That's duty, exactly I'm 6-0. Right. Right. Well, it it I means get a he's contract the greatest extension. coach in the history of the club. <laughs> Better than no, Jack do- Gibson. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Brad Arthur will want to cap, at the end of the year, he wants to cap a good start off with a premiership. 
I'll tell you what, though. This, yeah. this is the game. Have a look at this the Dragons the in recent serve, years. Right? Do you think Dragons fans are saying this is the best start in, in joint <laughs> venture history? They were. They... When you were winning games there, when you're winning minor premierships, the best record in the club history, hmm. it just builds pressure, and the pressure is building on Parramatta. And this weekend we'll get, the, we'll get a test of whether they are the real deal or not. Okay, well, will. what's your game? Your game in the round and you're agreeing. Well, he's stolen my game one. in the round, but it's obviously the the, uh, the Seagulls and Raiders game is the second best option there. It's um, Tommy Trebojevic obviously had a bit of a, a... Obviously came back to the pack a little bit last week. A few weeks ago, we were saying that he's... Well, I was saying he could be the best player <laughs> in the game in no time. Uh, and the Raiders slowly getting used to the rule changes. Obviously, that first week in Melbourne came out. But the last two weeks have sort of, as you said, plateaued hmm. a little bit, the Raiders. Raiders on the weekend, um, their attack, I'm not, I'm not sure about their attack. It's a lot of hope Jack White and runs and scores and it's just too big and too strong. And, and while, you know, the first half they looked frustrated, they kicked on early tackles and they got themselves back into the game through their defence because they were losing that momentum against the Tigers. But I just wonder with their attack if it's, if it's developed enough because... You think last year, round 18, Caesar, uh, Whiten and Nico Klockstad only had 10 tries between them. Now, Whiten stepped up. He's, his ball playing has gotten better. Williams has shown that he's got class. But the last two weeks, defence is working pretty, working out pretty quickly in the NRL. That's right. Well, we said that when they played the Melbourne game, that that was going to be the reason going forward. Everyone was surprised by that performance. The clubs weren't going to do that again. Melbourne were guilty of maybe not doing their homework on George Williams. Since that game, that breakout match, every club now knows he's like, they're on notice against him and they're doing their work. Well, Newcastle were physical against him and the Tigers on the weekend. I think they charged down his first kick and put him under pressure. So, um, oh, the other game I think is an absolute cracker is Melbourne taking on Penrith. Mm. Penrith let a game slip last week and I've got question marks again over their attack and their inability to have shape around Viliama Kikau. And it's all right to have the biggest most damaging back row in the competition and we know how fantastic he is but there's no shape around him and as a halfback and I can't believe I'm saying this but as a halfback it's just easy to defend one on one like that and get help from the inside when you don't have any shape to be able to check in and go out the back or at least have Villy go to the line and have a player on his inside or to be able to ball play because at the moment they're just using him as a battering ram when he could be their best strike weapon Okay. on that note credit to Mitchell Moses though because he was accused of being a speed hump years ago, and he did his job on William and Kiko on the weekend. He's getting better defensively. I, and I that's, agree. That's a massive step in his It goal. is, and Dylan Brown's been fantastic, and we highlighted that last week in our previews. But if you have a look, if, if Moses has to check on a lead runner and worry about a fullback out the back to create that three on two, it gets Wunger Blake interested, it gets Blake Ferguson, and then maybe that gives a bit more space for Villy to go to work. At the moment, he's just standing in front, coming up, puts his body on the line, gets help from the inside, and the Parramatta, the defence, it's predictable what, what, Mel, uh, what Penrith are doing. Melbourne won't have that this week. They'll have Pappenhausen sweeping out the back of Bromwich, they'll have an inside-outside ball, they'll turn it out, they'll give them different looks, so uh, Penrith need to develop their attack if they're to go any further. I told you, this is an audition for an assistant coach. I was just about to no, say, it's not. Jamie, talk to the camera, tell Ivan what he should be doing this <laughs> nah. weekend. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy here. I, I would love to I know you're team, happy, but, but you I have love great feedback. I love watching footy, but I'm just, there's teams out there that I think it's down to five. If you, th if you think about it. When you watch teams, there's five teams that can win it. There's two that have the spots in four, uh, six and seven, which is Newcastle and Penrith, and then the rest of them are playing for eight spot. But 
at the moment, the best teams do the best things for 80 minutes and they're, they're clinical at what they do and Melbourne bounce back in a big way. At the moment, Queensland is not part of that top eight at all, but that's all we have time for, gents. Thanks for being back this Monday. We will be back again next Monday. Make sure you get your Beanie for Brain Cancer round, of course. All of that money goes to the research of brain cancer um, and you can catch all the action of tonight's Bulldogs and Roosters match on Fox Sports, our broadcast partners. But tune in tomorrow at 3.55. Zach Bailey will host Team List, um, of course with Brett Kamali and Robbie Farah uh, to discuss the ins and outs of round six. Now, before we go, uh, the game did lose a legend in Noel Kelly. Um, he passed away. He was a Hall of Famer aged 84. Some did uh, class him as one of the toughest in the game. So we leave you with uh, highlights of his career and we send our thoughts to his family and friends. One day I flattened someone on hit him on the chin at Pratt and Park and Nixon. As I turned round, I looked back and his dentist helping him up, you know. And, uh, and at half time I said, listen, I'm not knocking him down for you to pick him up, you silly big. And West have possession. There goes Kelly downfield, number 12. Hard man to bring down is Kelly, but he makes the ball do the job. Ball picked up from the ruck by Kelly. The Australian hooker is racing through here like a three-quarter. And Kelly.